God with us. We've been walking through a book of the Bible called Galatians. We came to chapter number four, and there's verse number four. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And verse number five, we'll get to in just a moment. God, in his providential wisdom, brought Jesus, and it says, at the fullness of time, at the exact right moment of all of history, God says, this is exactly the right time and the right moment. I'm going to send my son Jesus to earth. And he goes on in verse number five, and it says, to redeem those who were under the law. And here's the blessing for you and I today. So that we might receive adoption as sons. So we can become part of the family of God with all the rights and the privileges and the blessings of being part of God's family. It all came about because God at the exact right moment, the exact right time said, I'm going to send Jesus. We've been studying through that through the school holidays through this entire year. And then with the end of the school holidays, as I was studying this passage out, this jumped out at me and I said to myself, this aligns perfectly with youth camp. The theme with youth camp was Emmanuel. Our, our principle for today is this. God is with me. And I want you to personalize that because it's so easy to say, well, I can see how God is with other people. I can see how God works in other people's lives, but I'm, I'm the exception. Let me go back. When the fullness of time had come at the exact right time and the exact right moment, God brought Jesus. At the exact right time and the exact right moment, you are here today hearing this message that God says, I am with. And you can personalize this. That's why I said me. So it's not just me. It's I want you to personalize this. God is with me. In the book of Matthew, Chapter number one, we see the record of the announcement that Jesus was going to be born and the promise of the angels talking to Mary. We see a word. The word is Emmanuel. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then it immediately defines the word, which means God with us. That statement right there changed my life it's changed the world and it will change your life also if you're yet to place your trust upon christ as your savior today's message is especially for you and those of you who have already placed your trust upon christ as your savior like i have we can look back upon this and go fantastic thank you god that you are with us because i even more than ever are beginning to recognize that i need you at every single moment of my life the theme of camp was Emmanuel, God with us. And through that, we had a question. The underlying question was, what do you want me to do about that? You ever heard information that was really good news and you go, well, that was nice. What am I supposed to do with that information? Well, here, as we look at God with us, the question for us is, and here's the question of the day, God, what do you want me to do today? I want you to mold that around in your mind. If God is really with us through Jesus Christ, what does that mean for you and me? How is our life different for now and for eternity?
through camp, we looked at five different steps of Emmanuel. Five steps. And there's a ladder on the screen for you. And every single time we take a step, I want you to think that, to think through the different steps of Emmanuel. We're going to begin this morning with the first step, which is the first step is God formed us. And I'm going to readily admit that first step. And, and through this, I could preach an entire message series on just this first point of God forms us and makes us. So I'm going to admit today we're just scratching the surface and maybe it makes you a little bit hungry to delve into the Bible yourself and to study it out yourself. Or we can have, we certainly help you along with that. As we do that, I asked you earlier to turn to two different passages. John chapter number 1 and also Psalm 139. We're going to zigzag between the two of them. If you had to choose one, just choose John chapter 1. But if you have both, if you're that good, then you can flip back and forth to, to both. John chapter 1, the very beginning of this book, verse number 1, it says this. In the beginning was the Word. If you notice on the screen and in your Bibles, that word is probably capitalized in your Bibles. That's because it's talking about Jesus. And it's another name for Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. But it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Here in this verse, we see a foundation. First of all, we see Jesus is God. That right there changes absolutely everything, the way we look at Jesus, the way we look at ourselves. First of all, we see the foundation of Jesus is God. We see Jesus is eternal because it says in the beginning was the Word and was with God. It was, he was eternally in the beginning with God. We also see that he was involved in the creation of the universe. It says, all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. If you go right back to the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter number one. If you have your Bibles, it's the very first book, very first page of your Bible with the words on it. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You continue reading through. It talks about the Spirit of God going across the waters. And we see all three members of the Trinity are actively involved in the creation of the universe. Psalm 139, verses 1, and also later on it says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. Verse 13 says, You formed my inward parts. You formed me. You created me. I think it says, he formed my inward parts. In other words, he knows the stuff that's on the inside. Stuff that's kind of a little bit gross sometimes. He knows the inside of you. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And the re response of that is, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's a picture there we see of being formed by God. And whenever I think of something being formed in that matter, I, I think of a potter on a potter's wheel. In a moment, we're going to see a video. And with this video, I want you to try to guess. Now, if you were at youth camp and the kids, I showed this video already. If you know the answer to this, be quiet. But as we go through this video... We're going to see a potter forming something. And as we go along, I want you to think in your mind, 
what he is making. As we walk through and we watch this man forming this lump of clay, we look at something, we think to ourselves, oh, I know what that is. And you stop and look at it and you think to yourself, I know what that is. It's obviously a what? It's a bowl. And we think to ourselves, God, you're forming me. And at this stage of my life, you must be done. But look, he's not done yet. He's not done forming you. And you may think to yourself, well, I'm done. I'm a little further along. I think, oh, now what has he created? He's created, what does that look like? Look like a can or a cup or some sort. So now in my life, I'm thinking, well, he's further along. And that must be done. He must be, I must be a cup before God but then we continue on and God is still forming and molding and shaping us and then we look at ourselves and we, what am I now I must be a what do you think that must be a, a vase and you think I used to be a bowl and then I became a cup and now I'm a beautiful vase but then he continues to mold us and shape us and we think to ourselves well now what could I possibly be And you think, what could this be? I don't know what this is. It doesn't make sense to me. And some of you are cheating in the back telling your parents, shh, don't ruin it. And you look at that and you think, what could this possibly be as this master craftsman begins to mold and shape something? Because in the beginning, I was just a bowl. Then I became a cup. And I was thinking to myself, I'm going to be the best cup ever. And then you look at that. What is that? And you go, I have no idea what I am now. Maybe you're in that stage right now as God has molded and shaped you. And you go, I have no idea what I am. And God says, let me just turn you over a little bit and you're a beautiful apple. What caught me with this video was the fact that I didn't get it till the very end. I was looking at that thinking, what could this guy possibly be making? And maybe as an illustration in your life, God has formed you. You can acknowledge the fact that God created you. Okay, so what? You're in your stage of life right now where you may be just a really helpful cup. And you think to yourself, this is it. God can't do anything else with me. He's made me the way I am. And he, in a sense, broke the mold so no one else can be ever like me again. And God's not done forming and shaping you. He's continuing to grow you and shape you into something quite remarkable that you would never, ever have guessed at this stage of your life, ever. Let me challenge you. Take on that verse when it says in Psalm 139, verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And God is molding and shaping and forming you into who he wants you to be. And he's not done yet. If you're still breathing, which you are, and you're still alive, God is not done forming and shaping you and making you into exactly the creation that he wants from you. And our response is, I praise you, God. So if God formed you, the question is, why did he form you? And what's my purpose in him forming me? That goes on to our next step up. As we go to the next step of the ladder, we see God pursues us. And this is the the thought behind that is God created us and he didn't say go work out life for yourself and go form yourself. God says, I am after you because I want you to become part of my family. I was blessed to grow up and be born into a Christian home. So I heard this message very early on in my life. And I placed my trust upon Jesus Christ as my Savior as as a young child. And it changed and, and has shaped my life. Maybe you're later on in your life, you heard that message that God pursues us. Or maybe you're still here learning this and you're thinking to yourself, God's after me. 
He's not after you with a big stick in order to hit you and hurt you. He's pursuing you because he knows that life outside of God and outside of his purposes is dangerous. And we cannot do this life on our own because he formed us and he knows our purpose. He knows why we were created. The Bible says, and back in John chapter number one, the scripture says, Verse 11, he came to his own. That's talking about Jesus, came from heaven to earth and became a human. How far would you go in the pursuit of someone that you love? For me, as a parent, I have three children. As a parent, the, the news in late October 2021 that the young Cleo Smith was missing. When you heard that news, personally, I prayed. We had just driven through there the week before, down that very road past Carnarvon. We under, we, I knew that the area was familiar. I was there the week before. And you look at what happened in our nation. Our nation stopped. People prayed. The police, and by the hundreds of volunteers, went out canvassing areas. They went through literally tons of rubbish looking for clues. They said, we are going to leave no stone left unturned. The drones were flying. The helicopters were going. They're going door to door. And because of one little girl. Now, Cleo, she's a cute little girl, but she was only one little girl. That news that came in early November, and I woke up in the morning and I heard the news, Cleo Smith has been found. I don't ever want to forget that chill that went down my spine in the morning when I flicked on the news. Because it was an exciting news. To be honest with you, from a human standpoint, I didn't expect that news at all. I expect her body has been found. And you think for one little girl millions of dollars were spent in order to pursue and find her and all of us celebrate that and it's a wonderful thing and i'm grateful i would love to meet her family one day and congratulate them but you think to yourself how valuable are you as a human being that the god the creator of the universe pursues you and it says i'm gonna leave the glory of heaven and I'm going to come down to earth in an age where there's no electricity, no, no internet, no indoor plumbing. And you're going to come in a, an age where he had to walk everywhere and knowing that he was going to die a cruel death on a torturous cross. And he says, I'm going to do that for and you individualize that. He did that for me. How much are you worth when we, we recognize that God pursues me? The scripture says in Psalm 139 says, oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. And God still loves us. He knows exactly who you are. And he says, I still love you. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? Jesus has done absolutely everything in order to pursue us. So first step we saw was God forms us. So he created us and he loves us and he created us with purpose. The second step we see is God pursues us. Jesus has done absolutely everything in order to bring us into his family. And what did he do finally is the third is we see God redeems us. He paid a price that only he could pay. That word redeemed 
is a, is a word that we understand when you go to the shops, you redeem something, you purchase something, you buy it. When in the biblical sense, it's deliverance from sin through a payment. That deliverance of our sinfulness, our separation from God, was made by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. We celebrated that one week ago today. We celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In John chapter number 1, verse 12, the scripture says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, here's a beautiful promise, and I underlined it on the screen for you. He, that is Jesus Christ, gave the right to become children of God. God has given us a tremendous right to become part of his family. And we think about being redeemed. And we looked previously that God pursues us. He's done everything in order to come to us. But you think to yourself, how much are you worth? Now, if you have a really positive self-image, you may think to yourself, I am incredibly valuable. Oh, you may think to yourself, well, my assets are just a little bit over my debt, so overall, I don't, I'm not worth that much on paper. Maybe you have a really negative self-image, and you think to yourself, I am worthless, I can do nothing right, and you start listing off all your failures and all the things that you can't do. In a little bit of a morbid way, you start thinking about your, your physical body. If I had nothing to give other than my physical body, how much am I worth? And some really unusual people have done the research on this. And they've worked out if we take our body and take all the elements out of our body, because you realize that our body is filled with, let me just start reading them off, okay? And I may say them incorrectly because they're big, long words. Oxygen and carbon and hydrogen and nitrogen and calcium and phosphorus and potassium, sulfur, sodium, chlorine, magnesium, iron, iodine, silicon, manganese, fluoride, copper, zinc, arsenic, and aluminium. And of course, some of you have gold in your teeth, but that doesn't count. If you put all that together, you're an average sized human being, so some of you may be worth more. You are worth, putting all of our elements together, you're worth $1 in the, in the, in the open market. Now, something is a little bit deeper and a little more morbid. Some of you, are, again, are worth a little more than others because if you took our skin and compared it to leather and you were somehow to tan your skin and turn it into, into leather and sell your leather and your leather hide, apparently for the average size human being, we are worth about $3.50. So if you add it all together, we're worth about $4.50 total. So let me ask you the question again. How much are you worth? To illustrate that, it often comes down to how much someone is willing to pay for you. On the screen is one of my favorite paintings. If you're familiar with art, particularly Australian-owned art, because if you're an Australian citizen, you actually own a very small portion of this painting. This is a huge painting painted by a man named Jeffrey Pollock back in the 1950s. Without exaggeration, it's as wide as this stage is wide and very tall. And it's called Blue Poles. And in 1973, the Australian government paid a record price for Blue Poles. They paid $1.3 million dollars for blue poles and it caused outrage at the time. People were thinking to themselves, I could do that. And you may look at that painting and you may say to yourself, well, it is a bunch of squiggly art and it's actually held at the, the, the Australian Art Gallery in Canberra. And I sat as a child and looked at it and went, wow, that's an impressive painting. 
And other people walked up beside me and sat next to me and go, I could do that. And some of you, your rooms probably look like an Impressionist artwork as, as it, it spread all out. And you think to yourself, how much is that worth? Well, in 1973, it was worth $1.3 million, and it caused outrage as a record-selling price. Well, recently it was again valued, and it's valued now. This is actually surprising that our, our government made a very wise financial decision. Now it's worth $350 million. And you look at it and you think, well, we should sell it. How much are you worth comes down to how much someone is willing to pay for you. Now, I'm not talking about slavery now. But God said, I'm going to do everything in my strength and my power to send my son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth, die a cruel death on a cross because you are worth it. And I'm going to redeem you. The Bible says, redeem us from all iniquity. Redeem us from all of our sinfulness and replace our sinfulness with his beautiful righteousness and his purity in God. And he says, you are worth it because I've done everything in my power. And God didn't just say to us, and this is the fourth step, He didn't just say to us, I'm going to form you, pursue you, and redeem you. Go work out life for yourself. I'll see you in heaven one day. God says, I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. Much like Jesus walked with his disciples for over three years. If you notice on the t-shirt, it has the word 33. The reason why it's 33 is because it was, again, trying to fill up the t-shirt and fill up the logo. Jesus walked on earth for 33 years. He walked, God walks with us. Back to John chapter number one. John chapter one, verses 14 and verse 18, it says, And the word, again talking about Jesus, became flesh and he dwelt among us. Goes on, it says, verse 18, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known because jesus christ came to earth now we can know god now we can understand a relationship with the creator of the universe god had to come to us there's no way that we could ever come to him god walks with us jesus came to earth and he lived a human life here on earth for 33 years and with that he walks with us and he shows us the way to eternal life the way that we've been formed and molded. Now we can begin to understand it. If you are a father here today, you understand the joy of our toy store called Bunnings. If you are a child here today, you understand the joy of of walking with your father or walking with your parents in Bunnings. And don't whine and complain about it when you get to go. Celebrate it. Our local Bunnings here in Bunbury did something quite frustrating several, about a year ago now. They took the store and totally turned it around. And just when I thought I knew where everything was, they moved everything. Naturally, I don't want to ask for advice. So I will walk up and down the aisles, looking up and down, trying to find that elusive thing that I'm looking for. And if it really comes down to it, I'm desperate, I'll ask for help. And when I ask for help, it's because I'm desperate and I can't, I've already been looking for, <laughs> I've been looking for an hour now and it's time to go. And one of the most unhelpful things is if the Bunnings employee said, oh, yes, it's in the plumbing section. You go, well, obviously, you know, it's a tap.
That's not very helpful at all. Just telling you it's, it's in the store somewhere. Well, that doesn't help me. Or if they say it's somewhere down aisle number 45. That's helpful. But again, up and down, up and down, looking back and forth. And you may be looking right at it and it's totally blind to you because you've seen every other thing of red in front of you. The most helpful thing is when the employee knows what they're doing and comes along and says, let me show you exactly where it is. Let me, in a sense, let me take you by the hand and walk you to the right aisle, the right bay, and the right little section. Here it is, right here. And look, it's on clearance. That's helpful. And that's a silly illustration to understand that God's done exactly that. He hasn't said, go work out life for yourself, and if you happen to find me, tremendous, lucky you. God says, I'm going to walk and do everything in my strength and my ability to walk you through, but you have to actually take it for yourself. You can't, God doesn't just say, Shh, take it, I'm going to force it upon you. Psalm 139 again, verses 7, and then we're going to also go down to verses 17 and 18. It says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? It goes on and says, How precious are your thoughts for me, O God! How vast the sum of them! Now that right there is absolutely incredible. How precious are your thoughts for me, O God! How vast the sum of them! How incredible is God thinking about you as an individual? Remember I asked you earlier to personalize God is with me? How vast the thoughts that God has for you. God's thinking about you as an individual all the time. And then he goes on and gives a, a beautiful illustration. If I were to count them, they would be more than the sand. The man who wrote this, a man named David, he understood he lived in Israel and there's sand everywhere. We live in Australia and even our dirt is, or our soil is cold. It's really sand. Our sand is everywhere. And maybe you asked a similar question that I've asked. And actually, I asked this question, then Googled it, and then, then found the scripture. So it worked out really well. Is there more sand on earth or stars in the universe? And if you know the answer, just shh for a second. I mean, there's a lot of sand. I mean, look at just Dale up Beach. Look at Back Beach. There's a lot of sand in the world. You go across our deserts, hundreds of kilometers of sand across our world. I mean, look in your look. Just try look in your house. The <laughs> sand's everywhere. Kids running in and out is just constant sand. And it says there, if I were to count the thoughts that God has for me, they are more than the sand. To put this into perspective a little bit, someone far more intelligent than I did the math on this, and somehow they worked this out. Okay, I'm going to give you some big numbers. There is apparently 7.5 sextillion, that's 75 with 17 zeros afterwards, of grains of sand on the earth. But then they went and did the math on the stars. As we look at the stars, we realize there's galaxies, and those galaxies are millions of stars and billions of stars, and there's billions of galaxies with billions of stars. And they did the math, and they, this is by no means a definitive number because they're still discovering more galaxies as time goes on, as our technology grows. And this is a number that, again, don't understand. 70 septillion. 
if I even said that correctly, because that's not, that's not a number I'm familiar with. That's seven with 23 zeros behind it. To put this into perspective, there are more stars in the, on, in the sky than there is sand on the earth times 10,000. For every grain of sand on earth, there's 10,000 stars in the heaven, and God created and sustains and holds all of them. And he's holding all of them. So sometimes we think to ourselves, oh, the thoughts that God has for us are more than the sand of, this, of, of, the, of the world. We go, that's just a made-up number. But God has for every grain of sand on the earth 10,000 stars that he knows. Why can't he know about you and me? If God can sustain the universe as we begin to grasp the, the, the vastness of our universe, they talk in light years, and I just go, um... I don't understand that. It's, it's not numbers that I can comprehend. We recognize that God walks with us. And when we hear things in the Bible that God thinks about us and he cares for us, we go, well, that's a nice platitude, but it doesn't really mean anything. You put it into perspective that God is big enough to do that. And you may think to yourself, well, God can do that for, and you think to yourself, good people or intelligent people, but, you know, I'm not good and I'm not all that intelligent. Or you think to yourself, I know all of my faults and all of my failures. You know the man who wrote that? David, whose name is King David. He was a murderer and an adulterer. And here he's saying, God, you know all about me and you still love me and still care for me. We see in the, in the latter illustration, we see that God forms us and he pursues us and he redeems us and he walks with us. But here we turn it around. The final step for this morning is us with God. We recognize that God is with us, but let's turn that around. Are you with God? Are you walking with him? John chapter number one. Verses 35 through 37, Jesus is beginning his time on earth and he's beginning to call his disciples. And it says the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him and they say this. And here's the last line. And they followed him. This morning, in a very real way, we've pointed you to Jesus. We've said, He's done everything in his ability to come to earth. He's pursuing you. He knows you. He's redeemed you. He's paid the payment for your sin. And we pointed you and said, there's Jesus. And now it's up to you. Will you follow him? Will you accept his free gift of salvation that replaces our sin and our guilt and every single bad thing that you've done with his incredible righteousness? Will you replace your guiltiness and the consequences of your guilt with his righteousness and the wonderful blessings of eternity with God? The question is, God is with us. Let's turn that around. Are you with God? I've gone through things really, really fast today. And you may think to yourself, well, I'm still on point number one. I'm still processing that one. That's okay. The other thing is maybe you want to meet later, maybe for coffee, uh, connect you. If you're a lady, if I speak with a lady, I'll happily connect you with a lady. If you're a man, we'll meet over coffee because somehow we're brave when we have a coffee cup in front of us. And we'll talk through this together. 
A great way to communicate with me is my number is in the bulletin. My name is Michael and my number is in the bulletin. There's also the connection cards inside of your bulletin and also on the welcome table outside there. Fill that out and we'll be in touch through this next week and help you through this. Or maybe you can't wait and it's wonderful if you can't wait. We want to connect you with someone even today so that you can understand that God is with us. But answer that question, are you with God? So this morning as we conclude... We're going to sing a song in just a moment's time and we'll have some announcements and we're out the door. And before you know it, life will go on. Let me encourage you, stop for just a moment and process those five steps. That God has formed you. He's pursuing you. He's redeemed you. He's currently walking with you. The question is, are you with God? Let me pray with you. I want you to stand with me. Let me pray with you. And as I pray, maybe you want to pray yourself. Say, God, I want to be with you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the, the tremendous truth that we find in your Bible. How something written so long ago is still so incredibly applicable in our daily lives. Lord, you brought us here for a reason this morning as we celebrated the wonderful camp and the wonderful results of camp. We remembered Anzac Day and the, and the, the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. Lord, I pray that we will not miss the message of Emmanuel. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for the redemption and, the, and the, the forgiveness that we enjoy as a result. And Lord, I pray for each and every one of us as individuals today. Whatever stage of life we're on and the way we're being formed by you, that we won't just go through the motions of life, but we will allow you to, to mold us and shape us, to be the people you want us to be, and to do the things that you want us to do. And in Jesus' name, amen.